Well, good morning, City Church. How are you? Well, today is State of the State of City. My name is Chris Becker. I'm the Operations and Children's Pastor. And as this is a special Sunday, we kind of wanted to invite you to see part of the team and kind of what we do. So this past week, we had a team meeting, and we got to share the wins of City. And so we thought, as we get to hear this, you guys are a part of that. And as a part of that, you may not always hear the results and things that are going on. So we brought up Gabe and Steven and Keith and Darcy to kind of share some of the wins that we see on a regular basis, especially in 2019. So I'm going to start it off with our missions. This past year, we had three missionaries that we were able to start supporting. We are now supporting eight missionaries throughout the world. And I love that, Kai Alpha, guys, because Kai Alpha is our partner, and they do so much to get those students ready to go on the missions field. And although we support them, Kaiafa prepares them primarily. So it's super exciting that we get to partner with these three individuals up here in West Africa, in East Africa, and in Turkey, and around the world as we're getting ready. So it's super exciting that we're able to partner with them. For local initiatives, for our missions, for benevolence, we gave over 186,000 this past year in 2019. So that was awesome. So thank you for your partnership that we get to make a difference in our community. One of the things that we did this past year was CityServe. Now I know many of you in the audience were a part of these days, there was 100 each day. There was two days like that where we went in in groups and went to Habitat, we went to Loaves and Fishes, and we went to make a difference in our community. And so one of the things I wanted to do is as we followed up with it, we talked and asked people to kind of share some of the wins that they had that day. And so I'll share this first one. We dug a hole. Wait, there's more. <laughs> to lay a foundation for a basketball hoop. Even though we couldn't leave with a tangible end product, we laid the foundation of concrete and prayer to make avenues for tangible joy. It was a fun time. Then there was another one. This was where we went to the officers. Yes, I did see the Lord move. I saw the Lord bring smiling faces to officers as we gave food and goodie bags. I also saw the officer that gave the tour smile real big and seems very happy to share his life and job. Also with prayer, we asked if it would be okay, and he smiled and said yes. It was great to see the smiles that showed in the department. And that was one from one of our youth members. So it's exciting to hear what our youth and people are doing within the community. And so as we kind of move from missions worldwide to then our local community, now we want to kind of share internally kind of what the different departments are. So Gabe, take it away. I will take it somewhere. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Jesus said um, in response to a, uh, a question asked of him, what is, what, what is the greatest law uh, in Matthew 22? And this will be the text that Pastor Pete will preach on this morning. Um, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. Um, first of all, I want to say that it's been a privilege for me to serve City Church as congregational care pastor for the past five years now. And I have seen, we have seen um, in this area some tremendous growth and and people's lives changed um, we really have. in some really yeah. important ways. Um, so getting back to the scripture, Jesus references love of self as the standard for how we love others. 
Now, I'm aware that when we say love yourself, that that evokes some uncomfortable feelings. Love yourself. I love me. <laughs> but um, the, the, the love of which Jesus speaks here is what we know um, in the Greek language is agape love, which is love that is unconditional. And it's not a love that's dependent on the warm fuzzies and romance and all these kinds of things. So it's, not, it's love of self, not in love with oneself that Jesus is speaking of here. And, uh, and we do. We care for ourselves in this way, don't we? Unconditionally. We do. We're committed. Most of us are committed to doing the right thing for ourselves. And this is what Jesus is talking about. And in my work as congregational care pastor, I've had the privilege of seeing people committed, act, act in this way, committed to themselves, whether it's um, addressing some very painful um, issues in their lives through grief share, through divorce care, through Stephen Ministries, or if they are just looking for ways to grow spiritually and mature emotionally through um, emotionally healthy uh, discipleship courses that we have. And, um, and if you want the numbers for, the, uh, for how many were involved in 2019, that'll be available to you um, uh, in a report of some kind, a written report. But um, I'm, I'm making the connection of caring for oneself um, to loving oneself, to loving our neighbors. Jesus says we are to love our neighbors as are we are to love ourselves. And we must first be committed to self-care um, in order for us to love well and to love others. And in the Bible, this is known, these are known as our neighbors. Because we all have needs, right? And then we realize we're in crisis, and Gabe answers that, that call so regularly, so faithfully. It's been fun to see what God's done through Gabe, whether it's any of those groups, any of those uh, ministries that he spoke of. You know, I get to, to put my hands on lots of things, too, here at City Church. It's been fun to watch God provide again. And again, and again, I know these guys could, could say the same thing. We come to the end of ourselves and we just pray a lot. We realize, wow, how are we going to solve this problem? Or, or what are we going to do with this? Um, you know, we're just on the parking lot trying to figure out where to help you guys find spots because we run out of them pretty quickly here. And uh, drafted Landon Purdue today to be the, the guy on the end of the lot that you, you know, he said he got some interesting looks today, and that doesn't <laughs> surprise me because we all want to get in here. We want to be a part of this, and, but we're trying to get you guys in spots. And that's just one example of the way God's giving us growth, and we're trying to figure out how to be faithful to that. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, about a year ago, we started praying for our welcome team, that God would grow our welcome team. And as a result, he practically doubled the size of that team so that now not only can we be the, the smiling faces on the inside, but we can be smiling faces on the outside. We can love you from the time you drive onto the lot. And it's been really fun to see God um, prepare us to do that and equip us to do that. You know, also think about uh, life groups. And you know, we prayed and prayed that God would stir hearts in our community to reach for the life that's really life, not to settle for just maybe a a one-and-done kind of a relationship with him, in on Sunday and then out, but to, but to reach for something more. And so many of you guys responded. I found myself in my office more than once thinking, oh, Lord, 
where are we going to put these people? Like, how are we going to do this? And so then we start praying, Lord, we need more groups. And he provides. Lord, we need more leaders. And he provides. And again and again, we've, we've prayed and asked him. And the songs this morning were perfect. We just kept saying that he's a way maker, right? Um, he's faithful. And even before I knew that was the set list for, for today, um, I was preparing these words and the words faithful and, and his provision just kept coming to mind. So I could point to so many ways he's done that. One of my favorites um, this last year has been Growth Track. It's been fun to be a part of that. We've been doing Growth Track for just over a year now. And 151 people have gone all the way through Growth Track and graduated That's at awesome. the end. It's been really fun to see that. And the coolest part about that to me is that when you graduate from Growth Track, you don't like get a cap and gown. You don't get a diploma or anything like that. You graduate to serve. You graduate to serve. And you know kind of how you're wired and, and how God's made you and, and where you fit. And then you go to work and they're the greatest joy in the life of a Christian is to walk with Jesus, serving, loving. And it's fun to see people do that in growth track. So I, you know, I could point to, man, lots of things. I think we all could. For me, that's one of my favorite things from this last year. Um, today is growth track step three after worship. And there'll be another 15 to 20 people that have walked all the way through growth track and are ready to, to follow Jesus, serving others. So that's been fun for me. How about you, Stephen? Yeah, I love that. That's, that's great to hear all that fun stuff. Um, I love the local church, and I wanted to talk about one of the reasons why. I want to take us all the way back to First Chronicles, um, to the temple period. Yeah, all the way back. Okay. Um, King David, he had 4,000 worshipers, and that was their whole role, day and night. And I'm working on Chris to see if he'll let me have 4,000 here. But... We'll get there. We'll see. Um, but their whole role was to worship day and night, and they, they did that by splitting up into groups of musicians. Some of them were full band, like you'll see here on Sunday morning with um, a lyre and a harp and a cymbal, and it says that. Um, and some of them were just maybe a smaller group like you'd see at the Sunday evening vigil. Um, and they did two main things through this worship context. The one, they would prophesy through their instruments. Um, that's Chronicles um, 25, um, chapter 25. And then they would also praise God. So prophesying is vertical. Um, it's, or sorry, horizontal. It's from us to people. It's back and forth. We declare truths about God. We declare the nature of God. And vertical um, praise is from us to God. It's not for us, but it's for God. We declare praises to God. Um, and I love that picture because that's exactly what um, we look like here as the local body of the church is that we're taking that role. And that's not by accident. When Jesus came, he tore the veil, um, not that the temple would no longer be holy, but that you yourselves would be the body, would be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And not that we would no longer have Levitical priests, but that you yourself would be a holy nation, a royal priesthood set apart to declare his praises, right? And so I love how the local church looks like that. Um, I just praise God again, like he said, for his faithfulness. The way that like we've prayed and people have just showed up. People have answered the call of God um, and just filled the roles of, um, just like we're talking about, of praisers, of leaders, um, I praise God for people like Jonathan Davis, who's sitting back there on the production team. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan's just done such a great job leading the production team. And again, like in the temple, they had people that would lead the technical details as well. Um, and people like Mia Buckley, who have taken leadership and through her internship process. And I just praise God for all the many people who have um, been raised up in these roles, even the people that go unseen and unmentioned. So... Um, that's great. The other big thing that I want to um, just shout out is the vigil, how we started the um, Sunday evening vigil this year. 
um, which has been a really good time of worship. Um, Jesus said himself, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Um, so it's really great that we're filling that commandment. Um, so today, whether, or in this season, in any season, whether you've found yourself maybe as the leper who's coming um, for your own sickness, you, whether you need healing, you can find that there. Whether you've come in maybe as the, the royal official who's coming on behalf of someone else, he came saying, my son is sick. Um, so maybe you're coming as an intercessor for someone else. Maybe you're coming just because you're Mary of Bethany and you've realized the one thing most important, as Jesus said, is to sit at his feet and enjoy his presence. Um, so it's been really great to find um, a home and a biblical precedence for all of that. I love how the local church community here and now looks like the biblical precedence that the Old Testament set up and that was fulfilled in the New Testament and is now being played out here with the body. So I just praise God for the ways he's moved through those things. That's awesome. Because, you know, the adults are growing and they're learning and they're stepping into new things. They're getting into prayer. There's, what, 45 to 50 people at the vigils each time. But not only our adults are doing that, but our kids are doing that each Sunday. And so, Darcy, go ahead and share kind of what's going on with Kids Space. Yeah. As Chris mentioned, I'm going to share about how we love the family, specifically children. And so Kids Space is a ministry for children, infant through fifth grade, and it's really serving them and their families. I wanted to share a note that is from a parent, and I hope it will really resonate with you like it did with me. Several years ago, our family was going through a very dark time. More specifically, I was recovering from specific personal issues and my marriage was falling apart. You can only imagine what my children's home life must have been. The light of God's love was far from our home. The ministry provided for our children during that time was filling a void when we were unable to. I am so thankful for Kids Space and that our children were able to see God's love when it was difficult for us. And they say thank you. That's powerful. Um, I looked at how many people serve in Kids Space per week. And it's 53 people. It's a lot of people. 32 serve during the service. So when all you are in here worshiping and hearing Pete, there's a whole bunch of other people on the other side of that wall serving these young children. There's also 21 people who come at seven in the morning and who stay till about 1.30 in the afternoon. That's our mobile team. All these people work together to serve these children. We love children and we will go out of our way to make sure that they are loved and that they know they are loved. You know, you'll hear us say, follow Jesus, serve others. The kids do that too. They follow Jesus. They love Jesus. They invite their friends to church and they serve in our community. I'm gonna show you a way. Here, Keith, I'm gonna give you this. <laughs> this is a blanket. I didn't just bring this to keep me warm. The kids worked on this, and you can see that it's two basic pieces, and the children had to tie every one of these ties. And they worked at this for, what, probably two weeks, Chris? Three, three weeks? Three or four. <laughs> the youth also did some, but we did a total of 60 blankets. I take this back. And they were for Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels is an organization that we partner with. And oh my goodness, there's right now 200 people. They call them patrons, but I think of them as sweet souls that are homebound. They cannot cook. And oftentimes they have no contact with other humans. And so we've taken it upon ourselves in children's ministry to love them 
And so 60 of them got a blanket like this for Christmas, and 120 of them received a personal note from a child in kids' space. Whether it was a scripture, whether it was I'm praying for you or I love you, but they were told that they love them by these sweet kids. So that's one of the things I just love about children's ministry. I'm going to skip to something different now. And, you know, our hearts are all for you to be in authentic relationships with others. And Sunday mornings are fantastic, but we hear a lot, man, it's hard to meet people. So one of the things that we really worked on, Stephen kind of put a bug in my ear, was let's do some type of printed material where you can see what's going on. And so we've put out a couple publications. The most recent was a winter brochure. And on that, there's a list of ways that you can get involved. They're not all on that brochure, so a complete list would be on the app or the web, and we'd encourage you to go there. When my family, Chris and my girls, when we um, are planning our week, we often sit down at our table and we say, okay, what's going on? And whether it be a soccer game or something going on at church, we plan it out, right? We're intentional about it. We'd love for you to consider being intentional about the things that we have here at church. They're for you, they're for you to be connected. We want you to know you belong, you're a part of our family. And more than that, invite your friend, invite your coworker, invite your neighbor to come with you. It's awesome. One of the things that we heard just about two weeks ago is we had 10 guests. And as those guests got follow-up emails, Amy said, it was the most amazing response because I received four or five people saying back, this is the most friendly church I've seen. And they were blown away. And they're like, thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for welcoming us in as brand new. Exactly. So that's where I get to you guys. You guys are a part of this church. You're sitting in the seats. You're active. And there are so many different stories that we have. This is just part of the team but as well as you guys. There's so many stories that you have, and we want you to share them and be a part of the church. And as you're part of the church, share your faith. It's exciting to see what God is doing in this past year, as well as this upcoming year. And as you're doing that and living it out, we get notes like this. Being part of a family as special as this one opens one's heart wider to let God in more. God bless you. So thank you for all that you're doing to help us do what we do to make our community the best it can be for Christ. Now, as I said, there's lots of different stories. One of the things that we like to share from time to time is God stories. And right now we have a special video, a God time story from Gary. So take a look at the screens, please. Well, you know, I I was born in Denver in 1940, grew up there pretty much an agnostic my whole life, had no interest in church, Uh, was not sure there was a God. I wasn't sure there wasn't a God. I travel. I lived in Denver, and I traveled four days a week to San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, the entire West Coast. And when I got to be 75, we made the decision that um, we maybe should move to Charlottesville, where Kissy's family and friends were. Well, God really smiled on me, because when we moved to Charlottesville, we moved next door to Steve and English Garland. Well, I I do remember, I remember liking Gary right away because of his sense of humor, can I say that? So we've been living in Crozet for going on 14 years now, I think, 13, 14 years, a long time. 
And uh, we don't have a lot of friends in our neighborhood, to be honest. And, and then here comes Gary and Kissy, Miss Kissy. They, they moved in next door and we didn't know each other. And as we got to, got to know each other, I immediately had an affection for Gary just because I liked him. I ended up going to a meeting, being dragged to a meeting that I really don't, didn't want to go to where, uh, in which Pastor Pete was, was speaking. It got me interested. And my motto in life was, there's something's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So after Pete, after Peter Sorensen gave me a Bible, I went home and really challenged myself to dig into it. Well, you know, you know, I remember Steve um, speaking, and that really moved me. In fact, I went over there with tears in my eyes to his house, um, and that was a that was a changing moment in my life. And then there was a, a pretty telling serious moment, an impactful moment for both of us where Gary came to the front door and my wife had answered the door and he was telling my wife about a, 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 a talk that I had given where I shared my testimony and spoke about purpose, peace and hope and, and that had touched him in a meaningful way and how he wanted to share that with me because the gospel had touched his heart. I suggested we came, to, we, we go to the church, the city church and we did and we enjoyed it. We actually, uh, I never thought I'd be uh, that interested in going to a church, but actually one night I drove an extra 200 miles just so I would not m miss a, a Sunday service. We went to a swimming pool where we were baptized. Baptized. Kissy went first. I went second, and of course, Pastor Pete had a great glee on his face when he held me under for so long. <laughs> Told me that my wife had suggested it. But something grew out of that, I felt great weight off of my shoulders. I felt like I was lifted. It was like I needed more of this. I, I needed God in my life. It's a great experience. And if, if you've not been baptized, I would suggest it highly. It changed my life. I became a better person. Relationally speaking, I had a better relationship with my wife and with my family and with my friends. Uh, it was uplifting. It's been a blessing uh, living next door to the, the Garlands. I mean, they've led us to the church. Uh, they've led us in faith and believing. To me, the only the, one of the best ways to show love to somebody is to cook for them. And Kissy started making the best chicken soup I've ever had in my life, his wife made for us. I saw in, in your wife this natural sort of love and gentleness and care for other people that frankly, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. You know, I, didn't, I don't see a lot of people like that in my world. When people do something for you, they want something back. And there was nothing from Kizzy. She didn't want anything back. She just wanted to show you, here, I'm, I'm doing this for you because I, I just want to do something nice. It felt good to me when English asked me to pick up Gracie at school one day because I felt like she trusted me with, that, with, with her most precious thing. And here's the thing. When somebody's good to your children, you immediately fall in love with that person. And Gary was so good to my girls. And Miss Kissy, was, his wife, was so good to my girls. It was like, how can you not love these people? Both of us were ministering without even thinking about it. So, I mean, just by us, just interacting with each other, these guys being kind to my children, uh, Kissy bringing over some food, English inviting them to church, uh, me and Gary talking in the front yard. I mean, then God will open up doors through that. Well, one thing I took out of the Bible is love thy neighbor like you love yourself. It, it, we do care about our neighbors, and I challenge you to care about your neighbors. And love thy neighbor like I love mine. Well, good morning, City Church. 
Um, I would like us to do something that's a little bit off script. Would you, along with me, give a hand to the lead pastoral team that I am blessed to work with each week, that we're sitting up here in these chairs that we're sharing? Amen. I've served as the lead pastor here for 21 years, and it is the finest group of men and women that I have worked with, their character, their capacity, the chemistry that we have as a team, um, their abilities to do what God has called them to do is amazing. Now, what I want to do this morning, just for a few moments, this is more like a sermonette or a devotional than it is a sermon. I want to talk to City Church a little bit about the past, but then focus on our future. One of the reasons why I want to focus on the past is this, is that it's often said about church that church is a place where we are often called to remember, because in the kingdom of God, remembering sets the trajectory for us as we look ahead so that we end up where God wants us to be. Often in Scripture, the Bible calls his people to remember. God does that through Scripture. And here's the reason why. If we don't remember, it won't be long before we will cut loose from our moorings through not remembering, which means we will be blown by every wind of culture and the latest fad. I believe that church is to be a place that is anchored in the ancient things of God that are as relevant today as they were thousands and thousands of years ago as God brought them to bear. Because of this, I want to remind us very, very quickly as a church about the basic realities that make City City Church. First of all, hopefully you've heard this innumerable times. If you're newer, get a hold of this. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church. Biblically-based means we take the scriptures seriously. We dig deeply into them. Relationally-driven means that by reading scripture, we discover that Jesus teaches and we've experienced that relationship truly is the most important thing in life. There's nothing more important than relationship our relationship with God, and our relationships with people. We are spirit-led, meaning this, that God has sent his Holy Spirit into this world to live the scriptures that we're studying, but also to empower us to live different lives relationally as our minds are renewed through scripture. The power of the Holy Spirit helps us to live differently. Through those three realities, we came up with a very simple vision statement for City Church, and that is this, is that we are all about calling people to follow Jesus and to serve others. Now, as a quick aside, I noticed when Pastor Keith said, we've had 151 people in the last year graduate through, through Growth Track, and they graduated to do what? To serve. No one cheered. Usually it's to graduate, to make a ton of money, to graduate, to do X, Y, no. In the kingdom of God, Jesus said, the greatest thing you can ever do in the kingdom of God is to serve. 
to serve. And the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The other thing that I wanted to remind us of was the sermon that I preached last week. Now, I'm not going to re-preach it, but it is something that I felt compelled to do before we take a look at the future of city. I want to remind us that last week we took a look at the Lord's Prayer. It's the most memorized prayer on the face of the earth. More people know that prayer than any other prayer other than, God help me. But as far as a prayer from Scripture, more people know that prayer than any other prayer. But most people have no clue what it means. So I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week, please go back and listen to that sermon that I preached called, Thy Kingdom Come. Now what I want to do, us to do this week is we remember last week, but also look into the future. I want you to stand with me very quickly. And I want you to link up, either just touching elbows, arms around each other, holding hands, however confident you are about transferring some winter something that's going around. But one of the things we learned last week through the Lord's Prayer is that all of the personal pronouns are plural. They're all plural. They are our, we, and us. And oh, by the way, to that young man or woman who's been strategically sitting next to someone that you like at church, you're welcome for linking up this morning. What I'd like for us to do is I'd like us to pray in faith together the Lord's Prayer out loud because Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Ready? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we made that prayer personal because the prayer of my heart as the lead pastor is that thy kingdom would come in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. And I shared about how one of the men that poured into my life when I was a young pastor, his name was J. Robert Ashcroft. His son's name was John Ashcroft and served in the federal government for many years. But J. Robert Ashcroft, as an old man, said something to me I never forgot. He said, Pete, you are a part of the answer to every prayer that you pray. You are a part of the answer to every prayer that you pray. And if that's the case, that's also the case with the Lord's Prayer. That as we pray about the kingdom of God coming here in Charlottesville, you and I as individuals and corporately through our, our, we, and us of that prayer, God wants to bring his kingdom through us into Charlottesville along with other churches that lift up the name of Jesus. Now I am aware as I now shift and begin to look at the future of city. I'm aware that we are, yes, in a new year, but we are also stepping into a new decade. 
As I was thinking about that, I thought of a quote that I had once heard from Bill Gates. I love this quote, the guy that pioneered Microsoft. Here's what he said. Most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. He also said the following quote, which I love, be nice to nerds, chances are you'll end up working for one. <laughs> love that quote too. Now as I think about looking into the future, and I think about the year of 2020 and the new decade, what I do is the lead pastor is I spend time before God asking God what he would have for us. Oftentimes, it's a word. One year it was health. Many of us became healthy financially and emotionally and spiritually, and Pastor Gabe was awesome about helping people get emotionally healthy, and he's still running courses like that. We did a whole lot of things about getting finances in order through financial peace and other efforts just to get healthy. Those words compel us. They're literally a word from God for the year. But as I was praying and asking God, what is the word for 2020 and beyond? What is the word for the trajectory for City Church as we move from 2020 into a brand new decade? And the word God put on my heart surprised me. It was the word home, home. I sat with that word and I prayed over it. I became aware very quickly that God has placed in every person's heart a longing for home. It's innately in us. Oftentimes, you'll even hear people say at a funeral, he or she went home to be with the Lord. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about home here, this side of heaven. We long for home. Now, what I'm keenly aware of, though, is that for some of us, when we hear the word home, it is not a good thing. The home that you were raised in, the home that maybe touched your life in some way, left you sideways. The word home isn't positive, but I want to explain something carefully. God can heal that and has for hundreds of people at City Church. He can heal that because there is still a longing for home in all of our hearts. My son was telling me as I was talking to him about this word that when he preaches the good news, the gospel of Jesus, that he is now preaching it in a way where he explains that through God, home is chasing you. You are longing for home, but the gospel is about God in this sense of home and longing chasing you. But what does it mean practically for us as a church when we speak of home? Many of us want a permanent church home. We have been nomadic for the past seven years here at the Martin Luther King Performing Arts Center. We own a property on Ryer Road right next to KTEC, but it's too small for all of us to fit in. So what we did was, as God has blessed us with growth as a church, we realized this facility was open, took about a year and a half of negotiations, get everything in ready, and for the past seven years, we have worshiped here. 
If you've been part of city, you know that we had several buildings that came up as opportunities. We pursued them. Each and every one of them was kind of whisked away on us by one circumstance or another. But I still believe that a permanent home is important. I believe that it is. One of the things that we're prayerfully looking at is the current property that we own. Instead of tearing down or raising the facility that is there, is there a way we could retrofit that, put on an inexpensive as possible addition to that facility to where we can get as many people in that building as possible? If we were to do that, yes, we would immediately have to go to three services, if not four, just to contain the people that worship here. But I want you to pray with us because I believe that a permanent home is important. As was mentioned earlier, we are already having parking issues here at the PAC. I want to ask you to do something to serve others. If you are able-bodied and you arrive here early, please park further away and leave the closer spots for people who have children or people who are not as mobile as they used to be. When I think about a permanent home, I am well aware that we all can't fit if we were to return to our prior property. In line with that, I'm asking you to pray with us that God maybe even would reveal to us homes for City Church, that not only looking at the church that we use as our base of operations, but if there's possibilities for other facilities out in the communities from which we come from. There are different ways of doing this, but I'm encouraging you to pray with us that God may actually have homes for us. The other thing that strikes me about home, it's this. I know that home means different things to different people. When you are a part of City Church, some of you, you live in a dorm. That's home. Some of you live in a hotel. You're a traveling business person and you find yourselves in a hotel. Others of us live in an apartment and some of us live in a house. Home can mean many different things. But what I want to talk about next in terms of home is absolutely mission critical for all of us to understand. Pastor Gabe mentioned it already. It was the most life-changing verse other than the verses for the resurrection of Jesus that ever encountered my heart and soul and transformed my view of what following Jesus looks like. This reading is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. It's in a passage of scripture where Jesus has asked a series of three questions. This is one of those three questions. He's in the temple courts, and here's the scenario. A teacher walks up to Jesus and asks the question, Luke 22, 36 through 40, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
In other words, you can take the first two-thirds of your scripture, hold them in your hand, and they all literally hang on two pegs. Love God and love your neighbor. Those two things. So when I think about home and what God's saying to city for 2020 and throughout the next decade, we are going to focus on what does it look like to love your neighbor. Some of you are already trying to figure out how you can move. You want new neighbors. I'm willing to follow City Church through this call. I'm willing to follow Jesus and serve others, but I want different neighbors. Huge chance, so do your neighbors. They want different neighbors too. But the amazing thing about a neighbor is you can't always pick them. You can't pick who's in your dorm room sometimes. You can't pick who lives in the hotel room next to you or in the apartment next to you. You can't always choose. That's the divine wisdom of God. And my prayer is, is that as we move in the footsteps of Jesus about what it looks like to follow God and to serve others and to love our neighbors as ourselves, there would be hundreds of people, thousands of people in Charlottesville over the next year and the next decade that would say what Gary said, God smiled on me when I bought a house next to so-and-so. God smiled on me. Because people are moving to Charlottesville, it's got a booming economy, a low crime rate, it's got beautiful scenery, it's got an incredible university, and they're coming here to live in that. But what they don't know is they are following that, but they're going to move in next to us, and they're going to become our neighbors. And they will say, like Gary did twice in that video, God smiled on me when I took a dorm room next to so-and-so. God smiled on me. As I was thinking about home, and I was thinking about loving our neighbor, I wanted us to practically begin to pray about putting feet to our faith with this. In the midst of this, I couldn't help but thinking about Mr. Rogers. I grew up with Mr. Rogers, how about you? There's a movie out now that celebrates his life. There's also a documentary on Netflix that is more powerful than the movie about his life. But in many ways, he was a colleague. He was a man who was a Presbyterian pastor and was called to pioneer a TV show for children. One of the themes of the show, the primary theme, is will you be my neighbor. Will you be my neighbor? And that's what Jesus calls all of us to do, to love God, to love our neighbors. As we process in this direction, there are certain things you will become familiar with. You're going to become familiar with the words that are on that graphic that we have for home. You will become familiar with good news, that's gospel. Gospel means literally good news. You will become familiar with hospitality, neighborliness, and family. Because if Jesus calls us, if God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves, these are things that we're going to have to understand. 
As a church, we are going to partner with you in sharing the good news with your neighbors. We're going to offer certain things that will help to train you, but also to partner with you so you can get out your Rolodex and begin to invite people to things where they'll be able to discover the good news of Jesus. We're also going to help you to learn how to share your story about the good news of Christ and why you follow him. We're also going to partner very specifically, even at a deeper level, with different efforts and agencies in and around Charlottesville. Because the name of our church is City Church, and we want to be a good neighbor, not just to those people that live in our, near us in our dorm, apartment, hotel, or our home. But we also want to be a church that loves our neighbor, the city of Charlottesville itself. I want to challenge you to begin to serve. I want to challenge you to begin to think about the neighborhood that you now live in, or the dorm that you live in or the apartment you're staying in. Wherever that is, begin to focus on that even now in your mind. And ask yourself the question, do you know your neighbors? Have we ever taken the time to learn their names and to walk with them, to hang out a little bit longer at the mailbox until we meet them and begin to ask them those probing questions about life so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves? Next week, I'm going to teach on this passage of Scripture. We're going to exit City Church, and we're going to know exactly what Jesus was saying and calling us to when it comes to loving God and serving our neighbor and loving them well. Here's what I know. I know that some of us sitting here, when we think about loving our neighbors, yeah, well... Pete, if you knew my neighbor, if you really knew them. I've had neighbors like that too. But in the midst of it, we don't choose them. God does. And I believe that God has put the people around you where you live. By the way, this also applies at work. They're your neighbors. But what I'm going to ask that you would do with us here at City is that you would take just a moment and you would take out the envelope that you were handed when you came through the door. If you don't have an envelope, raise your hand real high. We have people that are ready to serve you right now so that you can have one. If you do not have an envelope, keep your hand raised. We want to make sure that you get one. Inside the envelope, there's an index card. I want you to be prepared to do two things. One of them is this. I want you to write on this envelope your address, where you live. I literally want you to do that now. Take out the envelope, whether you're in a dorm on grounds, whether you're in an apartment, whatever your mailing address is, hopefully you know it. With email, sometimes you wonder. But if you could take that out, and I want you to write legibly your address, your home address on this envelope. Take a moment to do that. 
And then the other thing that I'm going to ask that you would do is inside, inside your envelope is a card. It's an index card. What I'm going to ask that you would do with that is I want you to write down whatever prayer request you might have as you've heard the challenge about city moving towards a church that calls all of us to love our neighbor as ourselves. What is the challenge? You might write down one word, selfish. Maybe two words, I'm selfish. You might write down on there that where you live, whatever comes to mind. Maybe you want to write down a few initials on here of just maybe people in your web of influence that you believe you're supposed to start praying for. But primarily, I want you to think about how can we pray for you so that you can love your neighbors well? How can we pray for you? What I want you to do is fill that out. The envelope and the card is we're going to spend a few moments in worship. I'd like all of us to be doing this, to where you'd put your address on this envelope, take out that card, and write down a prayer request how we can pray with you in this journey. Let's worship together as we write.